Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report podcast in association with Orcs Brewery. And today, you've got Gav, not... Alex or Johnny or whichever reprobate you normally have. to me, the pro. And uh, I'm joined across the table by Joe Fowler, who is the man behind Veterans in Crisis Sunland. Very, very uh, important and, and poignant uh, charity within the city who do a lot for people who, who need their help. How's Joe today? I'm all right, Gav. Thanks for coming along. Uh, it's a bit weird. Like, I've never done a podcast over the phone before. That's it. I would just sit with the phone in the middle of the table. <laughs> I've got a cup See, of tea. I'm used to being more professional with having all the gear. Like, I, feel then, sure, you know? I feel like you're showing us up. I'm, <laughs> I'm surrounded by mics and uh, camera stuff and that. And uh, if women, any, you know. If, well, I'll, I'll invite you on hours when, when, uh, when you've got Champion. time. When you've got time. So, yeah. obviously, I'm in this fantastic building. It's at uh, on the corner of Rotor Avenue, if people don't know where it is. Um which is basically the hub for Veterans in Crisis, isn't it? So yeah. this place, what I mean, what is it to the so, people? Well, it's called the ERV, which means Emergency Rendezvous. Right. Uh, so when you're in the forces, in the army, particularly for me, um, if you went to war or if you're on exercise and something went drastically wrong, everybody knows to head to there. So we did that for veterans so they would know if anything went wrong in their life, mm. anything at all, they yeah. come here and get help. Right. Uh, we have, It's a four-storey building. We have downstairs, which is a drop-in, each floor has its own kitchen, uh, bathroom and shower. So we have the drop-in where they can come during the day, chill out, watch the telly, wash the clothes. Yeah, I've, just been, I've, just, I've just come through the drop-in there downstairs, Aye. a few lads in having a cup of tea and just cracking on. Aye, it's, yeah. it's nice for them, you know, it stops social isolation. That's yeah. a big problem, social isolation. People don't think about it, but when you're in the forces and you live in the block, you've got people around you all the time. Yeah. When you leave, you're on your neighbor, own, yeah, yeah. You know, especially if you get a flat. And then you end up maybe drinking, taking drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, depression is a terrible thing, like. So obviously, this building's got. I mean, we were walking up. We saw uh, you've got your your, your yeah. sort of your your playrooms and yeah, what have you. Yeah, so we've got the next next floor up from the drop in is an emergency apartment that uh, is able to house up to a family of four. Brilliant. It's yeah. got uh, everything you need in there: dishwasher. It's a lovely, lovely place. Um, the next floor up is a therapy center where we do different kinds of therapy. So. They can have Reiki, they can do uh, NLP, they can do mindfulness, art therapy, music therapy, all that's free. And on the top floor where we are now is the podcast studio. It's brilliant, yeah. I mean, we, it, it, they say I'm jealous. It's a <laughs> fully kitted out room where you could do with something like this, a few mics on the table and that's so all the podcast that you do. Obviously, it's, it's fairly new, isn't it? You know, yeah, I mean, well, I think long. we're up to about, we've done about 30 well, or 29 that we've put out. 
Um, I did five to practice, which we kind of let about six different people from all walks of life to listen to. Yeah. And uh, give us the feedback on what they thought. And to be honest, the first ones were like, you're too mental, mate. That's right. never, ever... <laughs> you're never going to get a job ever again if you put that out. So I toned it down a little bit. The idea of being, though, it is for veterans... And it needs to sound like a conversation that you would have in the Nuffy. Yeah. So it's not really politically correct. It has yeah. swearing in it. But, you know, people enjoy that. And it, it's social isolation. People can listen into it and feel. And we've had lots of good feedback. And people have actually come to the building and said, I thought I was the only one who yeah. felt like that. Well, I'm not ex-forces, but I listen to them all. I think it's brilliant. Right. Like you say, you've had people on who have served the majority of their life and come out in the plunge into crisis. Like you say, I yeah. mean, the, the word crisis is... Is where we're at. Yeah, yeah. I you mean, uh, you, people don't realise, but when you're in the forces, you get everything done for you. So you get uh, your doctor, you get your dentist, you know, you, all your bills are paid because it comes out of your bank. So when yeah. you leave, you've got to sort all that out. Some people don't know how to get a doctor, which normally, if you're a civilian, it's so easy to know. Mm. You know, people don't know that you're allowed to go and get a house, um, like <laughs> to apply for a house. Yeah. I had one client, he'd served 22 years, and he was living in a tent with his two dogs because he didn't realise you would go to the council and say you're homeless and they would help you get him. Mad. And it took us two weeks to get him a nice two-bedroom house. But th- I've got, like, a mate who's just uh, joined the RAF. He's just passed out his basic training, but he's my age, so he's 27, 28. Um, and when I, I had a pint with him the other week and I say, like, so who are you with when you're in there? Obviously, because they're in these big dorms mm. full of people. And he said... Uh, well, there's kids here. They're like they're, they're literally kids, sixteen year old. Uh, so when you're thinking about it, like when you're sixteen year old and you're going into the forces, and some of them are spending twenty odd years in there, yeah. they've never had the chance to be an adult really no. in in civilian life. No, um, and and you don't get any transition when you leave. As no. in, you don't get when you join the forces as sixteen, as I did. They mm. break you down, and then they build you up to what they want you to be. Right. right? But when you leave, you leave as a soldier. Yeah. In yeah, my yeah. case. So nobody tells you how to be a civilian again. Yeah. And that's a big problem, you know. So when people come in here, obviously, and I mean, I'm not asking you to talk about people specifically, yeah. but day to day, what sort of, what sort of thing are you dealing with? <sighs> Street homeless, people getting evicted, benefit advice, drug and alcohol problems, social isolation, um, mental health problems, physical health problems, needing food. I mean, we don't call them food parcels, we call them a ration pack. Yeah. Do you know, we use terminology that... Only the military yeah, yeah, would yeah. realise, you know. That, that's the whole idea about it. They can come in here and see things that in normal life now you wouldn't get away with seeing. You yeah, know, yeah. like difference. It's not politically correct, yeah, really. Yeah. However, it, there's nothing harmful meant in it. It's just that's what they used to speak now. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of people sort of warm to that straight away and then they make friends really quickly because of it. So the obviously when I've been in here... Just this morning, there's a couple of lads downstairs having a cup of and stuff. Yeah. Is it literally the case you just tell people to turn up? Yeah, anybody can turn up. We're open nine till five every day. Uh, we have a full timetable of activities every week. Right. So Monday morning, they go to circuits. Uh, we get free lifetime memberships at Fitness 2000 in Roca for all our clients. Right. Yeah. And Les gives us the room three times a week so we wouldn't have circuit training. Do you have uh, many people turn up for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we get yeah. lots. Brilliant. Uh, Tuesday, we have the Gunners Club, which is a kind of coffee morning, 10 till 1. Any veteran can turn up. They don't have to be a client. Mm-hmm. We get around anything from about 35 to 50 clients come to that. Brilliant. Uh, Wednesday is art therapy uh, from 
9 till 12, and that's in the Navy Club down the road in Rota. Yeah. Thursday, it's circuits again, and also the Glass Centre. Friday, it's the Beacon of Light, which we have sporting activities all morning. Uh, the Glass Centre is on over the weekend as well, um, and we have season tickets with local companies, the King Brothers uh, and Durham Kitchens bought us two season tickets each. So we have four season tickets that the clients can take uh, turns in having. I mean, to, um, to be honest, that's not really good for the mental <laughs> health at the minute. Like, well, saying as this is a football podcast. It's, it's not good for anyone's health, yeah. really. I mean, we're, we're, as we record this, we're in the midst of a pandemic, as they call yeah. it, you know. Well, and obviously it stopped the football, but how does it affect you, lot? Yeah. Well, this this is... We, we can prove now how important our service is to the yeah, city yeah. because we have 220 clients, but we will actually deliver or get medicine or, or do anything for any veteran in Sunderland. We're in the process of now, if there is a, a serious lockdown when people are not allowed to house, we're going to be able to get uh, sort of passes so our team can be out and about and Brilliant. deliver stuff, you know. Because a lot of our clients don't shop for weeks, they buy daily. Mm-hmm. People haven't and can't afford to have like a normal electricity bill, so they have key meters. All that needs to be sorted. Yeah, you know it's it's going to be difficult for a lot of people. It's a trickle down effect, isn't it? Obviously, yeah. you you're hearing every day these press conferences with the prime minister and whoever else, and they're talking about we're going to commit this amount of money and that amount of money. But really, I mean, the trickle down effect is that the, the most vulnerable people in society are going to be hurt. Yeah, I and mean, I mean, what happens? Uh, this is one thing I haven't worked out. But what happens, <laughs> what happens if you're street homeless and you've got to self isolate? Yeah. You what can't, happens, can what, you? what yeah. then? You know yeah. what I mean? Nobody seems to mention that. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not really sure how it's happened. I mean, we don't have any because of Vicks. We don't have any homeless in Sunderland. If if someone was actually living on the street and they were a veteran, they're doing that because of their own choice. And and a lot of people want to live outside because they get a getting a roof over your head is only the start, right? Because you can put someone in a place and then they become socially isolated and all their problems get worse. Right, so you need to have a wraparound effect where you can do stuff like what we do, you know. Mm. But some people get go into a house and they can't handle it. They like being outside, so they've got people walking past all the time. And, yeah, you know, people give money, they give give them food and stuff. Yeah, you've got to kind of look at the wider spectrum and think not everybody is yeah. Yeah. like me or you. No, you no, know? this is it. You know, people like being out. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ex-service people live in the woods at Carrick. Which you, yeah. it's just crazy. <laughs> they, they, they purposely want to live yeah, in the yeah. woods because that's what they used to. Just used to live in, uh, right. breathe rough, like. rough. Yeah, so it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy to me because I, I would, I like going home watching the telly, <laughs> yeah. watching Sky, I'm, and having I, a bath and all that, you know. But some people want to do it. So, so the, the podcast that you do, obviously, yeah, we were talking before. I, I, I listen to it all the time. Um, in terms of the football club, you've had quite a few people on recently you've had Borley Tom yeah. Sloan's and Ledbetter haven't you yeah yeah um, and the football club are brilliant with me like to be yeah, honest I was, I was going to ask that how, how, how did the club treat you because brilliant absolutely brilliant from the first day I asked for help from the football club they've just been excellent with us in every every way I've asked for help they've given us it brilliant it's so good um, I mean Kevin Ball I asked him first to come over and do a talk in the Gunners it's brilliant the lads loved it and the lasses Um and then we, we wanted an ambassador uh, for for Vicks. So I sort of asked the clients and every one of them, can you see if you can get Kevin Ball? Phone him up and straight it was like, I'd love to. I'd be honoured yeah. to do it, you know. Um, Tom Sloan's the new director. I knew Tom when he was a uh, bet dog or when he was doing the thing. Uh, they've put the penalty shootout down at uh, yeah. Charlton and then give us the money. Actually, hold on a second. Do you know the when when Bet Dak doesn't play on the pitch, did you play 
Yes. Are, did your boots fall, boots fall apart? Yes. Aaron, that's where split, I recognise your face aye, from. Splitting half. Aye, you aye. remember your boots fell apart? splitting half. <laughs> I think I played for about uh, half an hour and then I played, we had a game, Vicks had a game and uh, I lasted 10 minutes because I got injured in the water. <laughs> so I bought, never I, again? No, nah, you know, I'm, I'm 50 this year and Football's not my no. thing, you know. I'm, not I'm, even for a laugh. Oh, I did. I, I, I what well, it is for a laugh, but I would rather one of the clients got the experience because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done it now. Well, I've, done, I've done it three or four times, and oh, we, right. we're doing it again this year. The road report, lads, but will I've you, said will you Well, they've said they might move it, you know. Uh, we don't know. Everything else has been moved, hasn't it? Uh, well, we had the mayor's ball because we like the mayor's one of the mayor's charities. Yeah, yeah. Wash it in mind. Uh, that was supposed to be the ball was twenty seventh of March, and that's been put back. Right. Um, the 10k has been put back as well. It's everything. Uh, Even well, they've cancelled uh, the Euros, which is yeah, you know. know that was going to make millions and millions right across Europe. Yeah, you can't. You just can't do it. Nah, we, we we're in a situation now where. I shouldn't even really be here, should I? When no, you're we're not here. Nobody listens to this, no, so you'll be all no. right. <laughs> I think you shook your hand when I come in, oh, and yeah. I'm like, well, oh. you know. So, that, so, you know, I went to a conference down in uh, London. I was speaking at a national conference about homelessness with veterans, and uh, people were saying, oh, you've got an elbow pump. And I was like, I'm 49 year old bro from Sunderland. I, I had to shake my hand, I did it, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm not right. going to be pumping elbows. Like, <laughs> I've seen <laughs> the know? ref seen it on the telly oh, and that's it. It's crazy, like, it, you know, I mean, just in the shake, I'll just say, all right. Well, yeah. If that's, that's where you are, but, you know, I'll be honest, like, we've all still been shaking hands, like, yeah. passing disease all over the place. Well, the, the, lad, <laughs> the lad who edits our podcast, Sean, he, he's not very well at the minute, so we're hoping that, uh, we can't transmit it through the airways. I let's hope so. Yeah, well, where's it come from in the first place? You didn't know if it's been transmitted through the airways. Got conspiracy theories. Oh, I've seen some mad ones. It's mad, isn't it? It's but mad, like. I, but the thing is, as well, though, like, with all this, I mean, going back to the, obviously, how this affects people at the core in the city and what have you, um, for me... I've been trying to bang the drum all week. You've got to help out the little people. Yeah. You've got to help the businesses oh, and the charities. Be, let's know. not be my size <laughs> in there, mate. All right. <laughs> but they're not so little people. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we do. We've got to. I mean, I, I've, I'm sick of telling people about this. They're moaning on and on about supermarkets and what have you. People stockpiling is horrendous. It's oh, the, I mean, it's pure greed. Like you say, people who uh, people who come and see you lot, yeah. Uh, this uh, is terrible. And, and obviously, our, our donations of uh, food and stuff have sort of dropped off as well. But you don't understand because people are worried about themselves, you know yeah. what I mean? But if people have got nothing, you know, what what's going to happen? Well, it, yeah. And this is a, a situation that you only think on, like, zombie films, you know? Yeah, this yeah. is the type of thing that... that you, I don't think anyone in our lifetime would have thought this would happen. No. You know, like, the whole... People get locked in the houses and stuff. It's the first time schools have ever shut for yeah. something like this. You know, even during the war, they still went to school. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, people were fighting. They couldn't even look after them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, that's the way it is now. It's People are saying, well, who looks after the kids of families who are going to be working? And they've yeah. said, well, they'll keep schools open. But it's even then, how do you get there? Uh, are they going to be going to schools that they know? You know and and then do they need special passes to, yeah. to get around? Because, that, like, from what, what my understanding is, in uh, Europe, people are getting fined for being outside. Yeah. I mean, that must be a nightmare for the government, you know. The government, as, as much as people will call, and but n- you can't please everybody. With this, not with this. This, this, no. this all, are, all of the parties should be together and just be trying to work something out that would work for everyone. Yeah. Not trying to point score, you know what I mean, and say, they should have done it that way. And this Because nobody's ever been through this. So. No, I think it's, I mean, to feed back into the whole helping others thing, community spirit has to be back, you know, because, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 
it's great. I look on Facebook and I see there's shops doing deliveries to yeah. old people and stuff. I mean, just that. I mean, back in that's what got people through the war. Yeah. being a community. Well, you know? Vix wouldn't have done as well as it was if it wasn't for community spirit. Yeah, yeah. Because when I asked, I used to work for a Bates, Bates head, uh, a based charity in Sunderland, and uh, there wasn't much uh, empathy to Sunderland people, you know, because there were most Geordies who worked there, and that killed me, you know. Yeah. So when I started Vix, I wanted it to have... I didn't want it to be a charity. I wanted it to be a community interest company. So community was in the title. Yeah. I wanted to only help people in, veterans in Sunderland, only employ people from Sunderland, only even get people who do work on the building to be from Sunderland. Yeah, know? yeah. Which is kind of crazy, because when I phone people up and say, can you give us, <coughs> can you give us an estimate? And then I say, where, where you from? you from? You know, uh, and he's like, well, I'm from New York. I'm like, no, you're <laughs> all right, mate. Even if it's cheaper. Yeah. Because I want to keep the money in Sunderland. It's you good. know, we give all our... Every penny that's donated to clients or fundraised for clients gets given to clients, right. and everyone knows that's spent in Sunderland. You know, see as well though, like the people who are turning up here, they just need help. You know what I mean? They need help, whether it's from uh, Joe Blogs or it's from the club or it's mm -hmm. from you. They they turn up because they need help. You yeah. know, and and the the way I look at it is is that if you need help. You'll turn to anybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, it's, it's good, it's good, it's good to have somewhere like this. I mean, like I said, we people listen to this will have heard we've had um we've done quite a bit with the soup kitchen over at Hendon yeah. with Andrea. She's great. She's you know, just wants to help people. And that's it's actually quite sad that this is a thing, really, that there's not enough proper help out there that people actually have to come together and mm -hmm. do it themselves because there's no real support. But at the same time you think, well, you know, if it wasn't for stuff like that, you've probably saved countless lives. Oh, just I have. Well, the service, I mean, you know? The, uh, you, you're looking at, like, in the tens plus of people that, that who would say that they were going to kill themselves yeah. if it wasn't for our support. You know, if you save one life, that's that's good enough. Exactly. You know? I mean, this crisis will show one uh, thing that this building is desperately needed, you know. Yeah. As you said, people downstairs... We've got food to drop off. We, you know, there's somewhere for people to phone up if they're worried. You know, and this is a, it'll come out in its own. Like, you mm. know, people will, people will realize that this building's needed. So before we get onto the football chat, yeah. uh, if people want to help during this, what yeah. can they do? Well, people can donate food. They can bring it along. That's important because yeah. I was just sorry to butt in, but I was talking to the girl downstairs. Claire. Yeah, Claire and. She was telling us that she's she's like scavenging around the shops yeah. just to put packages together for yeah. people. Well, we're even, we're even splitting bread and putting them into yeah like four or five slices. It, it, I mean, that's where it's got to. People need the help. Yeah. Um. I mean, even I wish I'd known. These were after food. I would have brought some with us. But people need the help because I mean, there's lads going away a day probably who probably need food. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it, that's how urgent this is. So yeah. I mean, we're hoping. That, I mean, we're recording this, it's Thursday now, we want to turn this around quick, but I mean, this is probably going to be something ongoing, not just during this crisis that we've got now, I mean, although it's a bit more urgent, but over however many months, years, mm. you need you need help, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, also, we're at the minute, we're crowdfunding because we need to pay for this building, we need to buy it. Uh, we rented it and then it got put for sale. The long and short of it is we need to pay 120 grand to buy it. Mm -hmm. They were doing a crowdfunding thing with Aviva, uh, which was meant to finish on the 22nd of April, but they've come to us today and said that we can put it back for six months if we want. Uh, that entails people donate money and mm -hmm. it goes into the fund. We Aviva had <coughs> never had anybody who would raise more than five grand before. Now, five grand's a lot of money. However, next to 20, 120 grand, it's not very much. So we said... 
will raise up 15 grand. Mm. And they went, well, it's impossible, you never do it. However, after two weeks, coming up to three weeks, we're at 9,300 quid. Brilliant. So, so we'll I'll get you the deposit yeah. on a mortgage or yes. something like that, yeah. So we're in the sort of final push. Mm-hmm. Um, we, 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 like I say, we can carry it on, but it... it uh, now, in this situation, I can't expect people who don't know if they're going to be working tomorrow or yeah, getting yeah. paid to give us money. So it, it's bad but, for everyone, you know. It, well, it's as little or as much as you can give us. Yes, yeah. And we, we did a big one over Christmas for the for the soup kitchen, and it was mental how many people just... Even the five pounds that yeah. add up, that add up, you know what the I mean? Yeah, man. If people, well, we were um, talking the other day, 200-odd thousand people in Sutherland, if only half of them give a quid, the billions pay yeah, for, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And would you... Uh, the community spirit in Sunderland, that's that could happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, I took some of the match, and uh, I think it was 30,000 now. And we're like, well, if everyone give a quid there, that's 30 grand. There's the deposit. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's so easy. You never had no buckets on the gate? We, had, like we had one on um, the game near the Remembrance Day, and I think we made about three grand, but you're only allowed to have one a year, or right. one a season. So we couldn't do another one, but like the, the Remembrance Day kind of. The, the club put our... And this is... Um, it might sound strange to... Well, not to you, actually, but... One of the best things that's ever happened in this whole thing for me is uh, that the club put my logo on the big screen, mm-hmm. you know, and that just, you know, a tear in my eye. Yeah, yeah. It's just so great. And they let the clients walk around behind the soldiers, you know, people clapping. And, mm. and when, you, when you've been really proud and then you've ended up in trouble and things have been horrible for you, for the... Public or the supporters at Sunderland that clap you when you walk around is massive confidence. I think that's up here. I don't know what about the rest of the country, but up here there's a massive support for there veterans. Is, you know what I mean? I don't know if this my model would work elsewhere because everything I do is for the people of Sunderland. You know yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole city from the top of the council to the bloke in the street. It's all about Sunderland. So I don't know if other places would be like that. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've got no uh, desire to, to put it anywhere else. If it did, it would get franchised, but then this would be the HQ, and I don't want to be in charge of loads of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm busy as it is. Just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and I want, I want, what I would like in the future is to, everywhere in the country, to look at Sunderland as that's the model that yeah, people should yeah. use, you know, because it works so well, and that's how you should treat veterans. Yeah. So on uh, Sunderland then, yeah. so are you a fan? I big am. Fan? Big fan. Well, I wouldn't say I'm big, I'm only five foot five. <laughs> um, I sort of first match, I think, was when I was seven, We've got family down in London and they support Chelsea. All right. Uh, and my dad always used to work weekends and we're down there and I was like, why can I never go on the match? And we were playing Chelsea pretty soon. So he took us to that game. Home or away? Home. Home. Right. So I was in the um, full end. Uh, stood on a bit of wood? No, no. no that, that was a thing when I was in the clock stand. Right. In the clock stand. Uh, so I, I loved it from then. And then I went... Because, like I say, my dad worked down the pit and he always had to work weekends because we didn't have much money. So I didn't get to go to many games because we mm-hmm. did a turn and farm. And, you know, you sell in them days, it was like a fucking away match coming from turn and farm <laughs> to, to Roma, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. two buses, walk. right? So my sort of proper getting into football was 14, 15. You know, I was so proper. When, what, what era is that then? Yeah. Uh, for me, the casual era. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's basically what drew me into it. Like, so what, who, who would have been the manager then? then? Oh, I can't remember. But any, what, any, talking, what, what sort of year we're talking? 84, 85. That'll have been... Well, that was the year we got we got the cup final in 85. Aye. That'll have been... Aye, I was gone. Um, Ashurst will have been Aye. the manager. 
I don't you remember all that. I, I wasn't even alive then. Uh, so, you know, see, but... see uh, you'll ask us questions about players and everything like that, <laughs> and unless it's the Peter Reid era, I'm not going to remember. That's when I grew up watching right. it. I, I was, I was, that was when I was a kid. My dad ran the Bowden branch. All oh, right. And we went every game home and away. And uh, best years ever, weren't they? Really? Oh, it's great, yeah. mate. Well, I was, a little story. I, I remember getting in a taxi, and the taxi driver was... Um, about in his seventies, and you know, I said, to him, "What you always talk about football?" And you're the taxi driver, and I was like, "Him, hey, what's your favourite era?" And he was like, "Oh, Peter Reid era." And I was like, "Fuck that, it's mine." But I hope when I'm seventy, it isn't. No. You know what I mean? I hope something else well, happens. Like that's the that's the thing now. Like obviously, we real we all still appreciate the seventy three team. Yeah, but it's and it's sad that that's the last thing we had to celebrate. Yeah. Really, yeah. it is, but, isn't it? Uh, Peter Reid era was just it was exciting. You know, the football we played was brilliant. You actually thought something was going to happen when you went to the mm. match. You know, I mean, Roy Keane, I loved that bit as well, you know. Yeah, uh, although I, I think something's with the Keane era because I was old enough to appreciate it. I think back now, I think, well, we didn't actually kick on until February time. Yeah. It was probably three months uh, of just where it was like, beat excellent. everyone every week. Uh, but before that, you kind of forget that, you know what I mean? Uh, but even them coming... Even Aye. coming to us. Well, I don't know if you, you know. Won't, did you go to the games then or not? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when it was the day? Obviously, they'd been like, "Is he? Is he not? Yeah. You know, going to come to Sunderland?" And then it was the day when he was in the crowd. Yeah, we played West Brom. Yeah, and it was like because I remember the feeling building up that game before, like we'd been getting thrashed every week off shit teams, and then it was like, "Oh, Keane's here," and it just put the like, yeah, it, give it, everyone a bit of pride again, it, you a know? bit of boost, you know. That's what, and we, I think to be honest, I think all the players were shitting themselves. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, the word I asked Grant Ledbetter when he came in. And oh I well, he'd have been in that I, team. He right? was, yeah. I and mean, he was young then, and uh, Roy brought him into the team, and I was like, um, did every because we scored quite a lot of really late goals. Yeah, yeah. And I see, I, little things I remember, but I said, were you all scared to go downstairs? And he was like. You would have been, you know what I mean. Aye. You know, you which is great. Thing Let's is, get everyone like that. Well, the problem is, is I don't think that works these days. No. Do they? You, you see, the players now they just put their earphones in, they don't listen, they're not bothered. Uh, they get on their agent and say, "Can I get a move?" Uh, I mean, I've just, uh, although this it's not out for a couple of weeks, I, I managed to get a hold of the uh, the new Sun Until I Die series okay. yesterday, and I watched the lot. Um, and there's a quite a lot of the early stuff in that series is about Josh Madger and when he left, uh, and. All the talk from the club and him is like the agent. The agent's got everything to do with it. Uh, and he's like, he's the most talented player at the club. He's scoring goals for fun. But the club kind of do a thing because his agent's got the club by the balls. Agent wants him to go abroad so he can make a bit of money. And that's what ended up happening. And like, can you imagine that now? Keno and that, screaming nah. at players. It wouldn't happen. Nah, nah, it wouldn't matter. Because, because the problem is, is that players are too soft. They are too soft now. Like, maybe that's what's missing in football. You don't enjoy it as much, you know? Because mm. I remember when Peter Reid was manager, the, although we still get big away crowds, I mean, going away, even at home, the, the, the atmosphere and everything, there was something different about football then and it's yeah. just lost on it. Uh, it was exciting from, from getting up on a morning. I mean, my worst... Time all of my time, and I was a Laurie McMenemy, uh, but my worst time was David Moyles. Yeah, yeah. I, I live five minutes from the stadium, right? Mm. Hated going to the match. Hated. I had to force myself. Aye. Yeah, I had no. I remember the same, I had the I, same feeling. There was nothing yeah. for you to go in, but I've got. I've had a season ticket for, I don't know, since I was about 21, I think. Uh, and, you know, you, you just feel obliged to go. Take part of you. Routine, isn't it? it is. Right? Like, you know, a lot of my friends will no. go, no, I'm not going, I'm just going to watch it in the I've court. got me at sight, well, and I've, I've I, got can't, I can't not do it. Because right. to me, the match day isn't just about going to the match. It's right. 
going with my dad and my brother-in-law oh, and having right. a pint and you know what I mean it's the same for a lot of people you can't not go yeah. I, I sit I sit sometimes and I'm like why am I bothering mm-hmm. you know well I think plan my life around going to watch that shit exa- exactly you know? and then it spoils your weekend yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the yeah. time I put a lot of uh, a lot of people think exactly why do you do it right when it's going to spoil your weekend and you can just sit in the pub and watch it mm. but like you see it, it it's whatever league we were in I'd still be gone well I you know see that I mean? people it's, all the time if they were playing in the Northern League mm. In front of the you know a couple of blokes yeah. and their dog, I'd still go and watch them. But do you think that that in some way makes the club think, ah, oh, why you know, take it for still, granted? They still got to come. Yeah, Aye. totally. Aye. I mean, that's another thing I picked up on in that Sun Until I Die documentary. Is the last season the playoff semi final game against Portsmouth? It was the worst crowd of the season. The playoff semi, Aye. we were twenty five and a half thousand, and I just think like you in the series you watch them all the build-up to Boxing Day and how much effort they put in and the PR and the, you know, getting the players out and doing videos and meeting local people. And, the, I mean, they made a massive deal out of Boxing Day and we had 46,000 there on the gate. Uh. And then the the playoff game, there was no effort at all. And it was like the spark had been lost because uh. we kind of threw promotion and the pe- people were like, they didn't want to go. You know, and even then, I was like, I was disappointed to be honest. I felt like, well, I think the club needs to give a bit back to the fans because oh, they took us for granted. You know, I mean, Boxing Day, people come back to Wearside for the for Christmas mm-hmm. and what have you. So you're gonna have a bit more on the gate. But that game, the playoff game, which were won by the way, mm-hmm. but um, I just felt I felt like that was the moment where I felt we were took for granted a little bit. Oh, because, I was in a uh, bet dog's box actually for that because right. uh, they did a. They did that. They did a Nile Quinn talking before we. Yeah, went I went. To, I went to that. Uh, we had a table. Uh, and they also did the penalty shootout down Charlton. Charlton. So they give us a thing, and then they presented us a check on the pitch. Like, I mean, they, like Bedag, brilliant for Dean stuff. They were like good that. for us, you know. As well, uh, I was. I was gutted. I remember when the um the announcement came out that they were coming out of football altogether, uh, and I spoke to Tom. It was obviously this was before he was involved yeah. with the club properly. Um. And he was he was absolutely good because he like he, he just loves Sunderland, didn't he? Does, he? Oh, he does. Man. I mean, he loves sport. He loves Sunderland. I, it, and that's that's what you need in in the club. People Sunderland, love people. Sunderland. You know. I think yeah. I think that when obviously we could be getting new owners soon, and I think that's maybe what I know. Tom's just come on board, and I think it's been a good move bringing Sunderland people on because at least they're a sounding board yeah. to the owner, really. Um, but I think like the dream is to have a proper Sunderland fan. Running the club day to day, yeah, and and it's not it 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 we talk about trickle down effects trickle down effect from having somebody like that running the club, is that the community comes together more things like this would benefit from it. Well, I think massively, yeah. When you've massively. got owners who take take notice of mm-hmm. of not just the club but the people, the fans, and respect them a bit more because I don't feel like certainly not the direct uh, uh Charlie Method. I I mean I don't know whether Charlie's got the respect for the fans maybe that uh, the crave you mm. know and I think that's maybe the downfall of these owners yeah. at the club I mean I don't know if you've had much to do with them I, I haven't um, uh, I haven't I, uh, one, he did put a quid in the bucket on there when we when we uh, when we were collecting because <laughs> one of the clients was just like shaking in his face and telling you put some money in he put a quid in I, no way so I, I said to the client a quid's better than a quid you know what I mean Every pound counts. It does, it? mate. It does. So when you were, you were talking before, your era was the casuals era. Going yeah, going to football and, and sort of get myself into trouble and <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, you know, I went went through sort of leaving the army. Um, that was kind of the closest thing 
two being in the army, you know, knocking around with a big group of lads. Gang mentality, yeah, like group mentality. You know, wearing nice clothes, fighting and stuff. <laughs> so it was, you know, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. I really enjoyed it. No, you know, no. Unfortunately, it's illegal, and I kept getting locked up, so <laughs> and banned from the match. So to be fair, it was part of football, wasn't it? Yeah, for a long yeah. time, that was late seventies, eighties, uh, and it sort of died off a little bit uh, in the nineties, didn't it? But like Sunderland up until probably 10 years ago, still had a bit of that yeah. going on, you know? So, like, uh, I mean, I've travelled with England abroad and stuff, and I, I had a great time, but that's something that you, I've grew out of, you know? I, I, like I hope so, you see, as you're nearly 50, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I like going to the match, you know, and I still dress the same, and... But, but do you have, like, a blanket over your knees yeah, and a cup of tea in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did, you know, I didn't go in there... I don't go for a drink before because I need a piss. So I don't, I don't have a pint before I now. I've got a, well, to be honest, like I said before, the most enjoyable part of my match day is going to the pub. We got right. the victory club over the road. All right, all right. And uh, if I didn't have a pint, I don't think I'd buy a cup. No, I, 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 I now I walk straight from, well, I've gone to the gym probably, so I'll run in the morning. And then I've gone straight from home to the match. And then I've gone out drinking after. I mean, it didn't get us wrong, I can't drink after. But before, no, I, I didn't bother. Like, and I used to be out like 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. Every yeah. match, dear, you know, it's not good for me. No, you know? I couldn't do that. A couple yeah. of pints is enough, yeah, and if you're gonna so have it's, it's not, it's you know, you didn't enjoy the match. You know, I ended up needing the toilet all the time. You're not at my age yet, mate. You no. need the toilet every five minutes. No, I can hold it. Uh, um, wait, wait, you wait, you kind of get a good night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously, we were. Uh, I, I, I don't know why I haven't asked you about this, but obviously, your ex forces, you yeah. were serving the army, I um. So I just want to ask a little bit about that. Okay. So obviously, what did you what did you serve? And so I joined the light infantry uh, in 1986. I joined when I was 16 year old as a junior leader. Went to Winchester for a year to do the training. Well, it was around about 48 weeks, I think. But I ended up staying a bit longer before I got posted. 48 weeks, basically. Yeah. Four. Yeah. So then, because you wouldn't you, do that now, would you? No, no. Well, you do leadership training and yeah. stuff. It's all changed now. Yeah. Um. Then I got posted to Northern Ireland, Omar, Northern Ireland, in the first battalion of the light infantry. Spent around about 18 months there. What was that like? Northern Ireland? It was good. It was good. I mean, I was involved in uh, some bad stuff that happened there where like uh, eight people got killed. Right. You know, and I've suffered because of that later in life. But when I was there, that's, I joined the army to go to Ireland because when I grew up, so if you go back to the Iranian embassy in 80, once I seen that, I was like... So the SAS storming yeah. through the windows. So I was I... 10 and I was like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing that for a living. Then 82, you got the Falklands and I was like, it's just getting better, you know. This yeah, is yeah. exactly what I want to do. Uh, the IRA were really um, active in England on mainland. I'm really, really patriotic. Not yeah. just about Sunderland, but about my country, you know. Not racist, but patriotic, you know. I, yeah, I yeah. love my country. Uh, and I wanted to basically go to Ireland and fight the IRA. So at 16 year old, I joined the Light Infantry. Only the first battalion was in Ireland, so I signed up for them. Went there uh, and and that's what I, that's why I joined. You know, yeah. I, some terrible things happened when I was there, but I would never blame sort of my mental health problems on that because I signed up to do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. So. Well, my dad, my dad's a uh, veteran, Aye. and so is a lot of his friends, and a lot, most of them served in Ireland. Aye. And they always say that's probably the toughest place they went because yeah. they look like us. You Aye. know what I mean? So well, it's hard. It's, it's exactly what you see in there. They, they 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 didn't have uniforms, you know, and yeah, and it, what a bad thing was as well, and it. I don't know if you can put it as bad as the Vietnam thing where people would spit on you in the street, but people 
back in England weren't that happy about you being there. Yeah. But you know, you were doing what your country asked you to do, and but people, you weren't allowed to wear your uniform because you people were getting shot. Yeah. And stuff, you know, it was a difficult time. I mean, mm. now veterans are sort of kind of uh, looked up to, and it's a lot better for veterans and serving soldiers, and people can walk around in the uniforms and things like that. But when it, the war against the IRA it was a little bit different, like. Right. But from there, I, I went to Berlin. Um, I was there when the wall came down. Spent, All right. Spent two years in Berlin. Uh, but I was involved in the rave scene. One of the sort of side effects of taking ecstasy is you love everybody. That's not <laughs> good when you're an infantry soldier, no. you know. So <laughs> I made a decision and I decided to leave. I left after five years. Right. Come back to Sunderland and then sort of carried on a bit of a party lifestyle for a while. Right. And so since you since you left the army, yeah. obviously you haven't been doing this since No, then, no, I've did a, different things. I've been a baker. Well, I've been everything like a candlestick, maybe, <laughs> to be quite honest with me. But uh, uh, my dad died uh, and he died in front of us and I gave him CPR and it didn't work. And from then I just thought, well, you know, I, I, I own a part of a bakery. I sold that and, and uh, I just thought I'm going to take something that went help people. So I, I used my own money to volunteer at a homeless charity <clears> for <throat> 10 months. Right. Um paid me on wages and then I got a job with them but in that time I noticed there was a lot of veterans in private hostels in Sunderland because there was a lot of private hostels then that weren't getting any help because people think you can go to the British Legion and it's easy but you would need like a mobile or the internet access or the money to get the metro to Newcastle to see the yeah, Legion yeah. you know it's not as easy as people think <coughs> so I decided to start something myself really uh, in my spare time while I worked for that charity What year was that? Oh, we were looking at about six years ago so I did three years of it really part-time where I helped about 20 veterans a year. And then I got a bit of funding from the British Legion to do it like kind of full-time. But because that charity, I worked for them. They took the funding. I wasn't very happy the way they spent the funding. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that year, I helped 62 veterans. The one he expected us to help 20, I helped 62. Because of what had happened with the funding and stuff in that charity, I left that charity without a job or anything. I had a little bit of savings. And I said, fix up. Right. Going. That was um, January 2018. I only started with £10 pay as you go on mobile phone. And Greg's is my office. That right. was it. And I used to just tack clients there and talk, you know. Just come a long way in a short space. Come a huge way. And people think, that people always ask uh, if if I thought it would get this big. And I did think it would get this big, but I didn't think it would get this big this quick. So I think we, you guess there's a problem, isn't there? In the yeah. city, it's going to get big. Yeah, well, where I am now is my five-year plan, Yeah. and it's only two-year. So things have moved quite quick, right. you know. I mean, a massive thing is that the Sunderland CCG and Sunderland Council both um, approached me in... Actually, my daughter's birthday, so it was November the 17th, 2017. I was doing a, park, a talk for North, uh, Northumbria University because mm-hmm. I work for them, Uh I was doing a talk at St James's Park, right? And uh, at the end of the talk, I was like, oh, well, I'm unemployed now. If anyone gives a job, I'm sitting over there, just as a joke. Yeah. Three people coming off of this job. All right. But uh, one one of them was like two women, one from the CCG, one from the council, and said, oh, well, we want you to do something for two months in Sunderland from January to March. Would you do that? We well, can't give you any money, but we'll give you a seat in an office in the Civic. So I was like, all right, and... And that sort of like progressed Vix quickly. Right. Because uh, of the CCG and the JB Alliance, I've managed to get an Armed Forces champion in every doctor's in Sunderland. That's never been done anywhere in the country before. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I won a national award called the Health Service General Award uh, last year. That's propelled quicker. 
uh, people now know a lot more about Fix. Um, we've now been uh, voted on the partnership in Sunderland, which is unheard of for a third sector thing. Yeah. So you've got like the police, Gen Two, the council, <coughs> CCG, GB Alliance. It's like you said before, isn't it? Like this model probably couldn't work elsewhere. I think. No. I think in the Sunderland, South Tyneside. I don't know about Newcastle, mm. but uh, the respect for ex forces yeah. personnel is there yeah, and the, is, that, that's why the support's there from from the public isn't it it is I and I, I think also that the we have the model that we have made it into everyone knows everyone will be from Sunderland who work here you, you have to have been a client to work with clients mm-hmm. so people can't just go online and say oh there's a job with them and come in and get a job because for all I know they're just coming for the money you know, so the, you've got to have been a client to work with clients. Yeah. There's only me who isn't, hasn't so been a client, but I've had my own problems, yeah. you know. So how many how many people work here in this building? We, well, with, um, we have like five staff, but uh, we have volunteers as well. But like I said, to work with clients, you have to have been a client. Right. So we can't rush people into that. People need to be at a certain level to be able to help. But what we find is you, when you're at that level, you start getting better in yourself because you're helping other people. And you yeah. can always see it. Um, I know how you feel, this is what happened to me, you know. No one gives advice to say you've got to do that. What we say is, this worked for me. Yeah, so obviously you would, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up now, but okay. um, if people want to help, I'll just go back over that again. Yeah. They can drop off food, they can yeah. donate drop, drop to your food, crowdfunder. Yeah. The crowdfunding, I don't know, can you put a link on this or not? Yeah, yeah. yeah so we'll give you the link, you put a thing on the crowdfunder. We'll put it out on social media yeah. as well. Um, yeah. But people have, if they want to help, I mean... The, Look, it doesn't matter whether we're in crisis, if you're skint, if you haven't got a penny, there's something you can do to help. Yeah, there's always something you there can is, do. There is, and if you can find all our details on all our social media or website, get in, get in touch. And if you're a veteran, you're not a client, still get in touch, we'll still help. Yeah. You know, as long as you're from Sunderland, you've got a GPs in Sunderland. Yeah. That's our criteria because it was getting so big that I was getting referrals from London. Right. Norwich, yeah, you know, yeah. places, and I was like, well, I had to contain it. Cut it. Yeah, yeah so yeah. you... You need to have a GP in the Sunderland, Greater Sunderland area, so the guns of the court fails washing. Yeah, so. and there's probably there could be people listening to this who've got family members yeah. who they're worried about. Yeah, but we help you know, families as well. Yeah. So it's not just the veteran will help. We do yeah. stuff for families. So the families are always welcome to do all the activities, like the art therapy and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. All right, brilliant. Well, thanks very much, Joe. Appreciate thanks, your time. Um, can I just uh, see it? Would you like to come in and do our podcast? Oh, don't know about now. Nah, of course I will. Yeah. <laughs> right, nice. <laughs> all right, cheers, thanks, man. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.